0: I'm Katherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Kathleen Nadow, Ph.D., author of Still Distracted After All These Years, Help and Support for Older Adults with ADHD. Much has been written about how to help children with ADHD, but next to nothing on ADHD in older adults, which can offer mirror, imitate, or exacerbate the normal brain changes associated with aging. Dr. Kathleen Nadow, a foremost authority on older adults with ADHD, offers strategies for how this population can lead calmer, happier, more productive lives, and create a more ADHD friendly retirement. She explains how living with ADHD in later years is hugely influenced by multiple factors such as anxiety, depression, low self esteem, and learning disorders, combined with a heightened level of stress and the presence or lack of support from others. She's the founder and clinical director of the largest private ADHD specialty clinic in the United States. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Kathleen.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm I'm really excited to to be able to talk about this topic because well, as you mentioned, my book Still Distracted after all these years is the very first and only book for or even about older adults with ADHD.
0: So why is it so important? I mean, I gave obviously in that little intro some of the reasons, but why is it so important for older adults to have an accurate diagnosis. I mean, and obviously, and then getting treatment for older adults. Why do we need to do this? Uh, I I know that maybe statistically, I I think it, what is it? 10,000 new baby boomers uh, emerge every day and uh, people over 65. So we have a aging population and you're saying that I, as I understand it, they are not Traditionally, diagnosed accurately and treated for ADHD. First, give it, you know, give it a definition. What is ADHD? Well,
1: you've you've covered a lot of really important <laughs> topics already. Our understanding of ADHD keeps growing and evolving, so most people are still stuck back in that it has to do with hyperactivity and being a poor student and maybe being a difficult kiddo to manage behaviorally, and it's mostly boys. That's a very, very outdated notion of what this is all about. What we know, and we've done an enormous amount of brain research over the past several decades, is that it's something we're born with, it runs in families, it's genetically uh, determined. However, it's hugely influenced by the environment that we're living in. So there's a big interaction between our environment and our ADHD symptoms and the best way to summarize ADHD is it impacts the part of our brain that helps us manage ourselves in our lives, helps us to plan and organize and stay on time and keep on track and accomplish things. and. So many people have come up to me, well, why does it even matter if you're older, if you're retired, you've been this way all your life, why would a diagnosis make any sense at this point? And the fact of the matter is that there are a lot of older adults that are really suffering and struggling and leading unhappy, isolated lives because they have a highly treatable condition that they don't even know about. Um, so, so,
0: but, and before we talk about how treatable it is and how we can treat ADHD in older adults, when you talk about that it's 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 genetic, it's hereditary, how do you, are, are you talking about that we have the ability to diagnose this uh, condition? Uh, how do we diagnose it medically? I mean, can you take a test? We is certainly, it a blood test? We certainly is it, don't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> sure, we don't diagnose it by doing genetic testing. It's not a simple gene. There's not an ADHD gene. A lot of research has been done and there there are multiple genes that lead to us having ADHD and ADHD can look very different in different people. Some people are restless and hyperactive and more impulsive. Other people are very quiet and sort of lost in their own thoughts. But the thing that universally the adults that I talked to in writing my book uh, told me was their biggest challenge is, even now that I'm retired, even though I have lots of time, I never seem to be able to accomplish anything. My retirement dreams are not happening. Uh, It has to do with planning and organization and follow-through, and those things are tough for those of us with ADHD throughout our lives and can become worse in retirement because there's so little structure. What worries me about older adults is that they can get socially isolated they often live in chaos. ADHD impacts every aspect of our lives, and for older adults, they often fall into very unhealthy sleep patterns where they stay up half the night. They don't have a bedtime. They don't have a get-up time. And again, going back to, um, I can't seem to get anything done.
0: So this affects, I mean, I'm thinking as you're describing it, it sounds somewhat chaotic. It affects, obviously, your relationships. Uh, also, a lot of older adults, as you were talking about them, 65 and older, they're still working. I mean, people are living so long and, 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 and at, at 65 is very different than it was, let's say, or the expectations for what you can do at 65 are very different than they were even 20 years ago. Um, I, I think one of the things really
1: different
0: yeah yeah really different. I mean one of the things you mentioned and I know this is a uh, it seems to as a social worker I see it as a, a huge problem. Uh, you know all of these new methods of uh, social connection, social media, having to navigate uh, a, an internet world um, that can be very difficult for people over 65 and yet they're expected to be able to do this, even if they're traveling or uh, whatever they're doing. They don't necessarily even have to be working. I think that's a huge problem. I couldn't agree more. I think it's a
1: huge problem in several ways. One is those of us over 65, and I'm certainly one of those of us over 65, did not grow up with computers. And if our jobs didn't Call upon us to learn how to manage computers, it can be incredibly challenging and isolating.
0: And then so you talk
1: that I think that for sure. Yep. But the other thing I find is that, like younger generations, lots of people with ADHD spend too much time online, and the the social media platform that most older adults are on is Facebook, not not the other social platforms. And I've uh, talked with older adults that say, "I I know it doesn't accomplish anything," and. It's not a good way to spend my time, but sometimes I just get lost on Facebook reading one posting after another. The ADD brain is very reactive. In other words, we respond to stimulation, and that means that ADHD brains are particularly vulnerable to being manipulated by the Internet. And here's one more ad, and here's one more thing. I've worked with people that became sort of compulsive online shoppers, because there it was, and it was beckoning them, you know, when they're online, they're getting ads pushed to them, and they're not managing their time and day and following their goals. They're sort of falling victim to the manipulations that exist on the internet.
0: Let's talk about people who suffer from ADHD, who are very, and may have had it for a long time, haven't been diagnosed, very successful people. Um, and I know you talk about this too, that very often they may have very high IQs, been very productive uh, because they're able to compensate. And so they spend a lot of time compensating because they're very smart. And how does that affect the individual and or their relationships with others?
1: Well, that's a great question, and that's another part of the ADHD population that is not excuse me, not getting much attention these days and very much needs to. In fact, many of these very bright people are told incorrectly you couldn't possibly have ADHD because you own your own company, you have a law degree, whatever it is. And that's a very outdated notion of what ADHD is. In fact, I was just talking to a woman who has a business, which I think is wonderful, uh, called Write the Damn Dissertation. And she has a huge and growing number of people with ADHD that are smart enough that they're all the way through most of their graduate education and are struggling because of their ADHD to complete their dissertation so how does this relate to older adults? They're not working on dissertations. But having this thing we call ADHD can make it very hard to keep up with paying bills, very hard to keep up with managing their investments in retirement, in filing their taxes, in keeping up with paperwork. Very tough for the majority of people with ADHD. The super bright ones you were asking me about pay a very high price for their ADHD that most of the world doesn't see. And that is that they often become and remain workaholics because it takes them a lot longer to keep up with everything. And this, of course, impacts their marriage, impacts their family life, impacts their social life, because everything is going toward their career in a desperate attempt to keep up.
0: And I would imagine it also impacts your uh, obvious maybe this is the obvious, but your body, the stress on your body, if you're always trying to compensate and you're you know sort of running around, trying to you know put your finger in the dike, it's 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 really stressful just physically. And even probably as you get older, uh, it, it would I would assume uh, lead to a lot of physical issues, problems. Cancer, heart disease?
1: Yes, that's a great question, and I'm glad you brought it up. Stress and anxiety go hand-in-hand with living with ADHD. And, of course, it takes a toll on our body over time. And I think the other thing that's important to understand, we're learning so much more about the connection between good cognitive functioning and our daily healthy habits. If we have unhealthy daily habits such as sort of eating a haphazard, not very well-planned diet, not getting good, restorative sleep, rarely exercising, being socially isolated, rarely getting outdoors into nature, if we're leading an unhealthy lifestyle that's really going to have a negative impact on our cognitive functioning, which means you've got a double whammy. If you've already got ADHD, one of the most important ways to treat your ADHD is through what I refer to in my book as brain healthy daily habits. It's it's so important. The more you already come to the table with your ADHD challenges, the more important it is to lead a healthy life to counteract that.
0: Getting back to diagnosis, and uh, I, I know you also talk about diagnosis and misdiagnosis and older adults being diagnosed as having dementia when they don't really have dementia, but they have ADHD. And
1: I think there is a tremendous risk of that. A colleague of mine did a survey of memory clinics all over the United States asking them specifically, do you consider undiagnosed ADHD when an older adult comes to you complaining of memory problems? Now, your listeners need to understand that memory problems are present throughout the lifespan for somebody with ADHD. They have trouble remembering what they meant to pick up on the way home from work. They have trouble recalling the name of a person or a particular word they're searching for, it's, it's unpredictable what a person with ADHD can or can't remember from one moment to another. But as they get older, they might begin to worry, am I experiencing some kind of cognitive decline? Maybe I am developing dementia. So they go to one of these memory clinics and almost none of them consider the possibility of undiagnosed ADHD. Neurologists are not trained in it, uh, and neither are psychiatrists for the most part. Out of three or four years of adult psychiatric training, typically less than half a day of that training focuses on adult ADHD. And what your listeners may not realize is that adult ADHD is one of the or most common disorders and yet we're still not training the professionals to even think about it much less in older adults and so there is a risk that memory problems can be misdiagnosed um, as early signs of dementia and I tell a story in my book still distracted after all these years of a woman who was misdiagnosed. As having Alzheimer's and putting, being put on medication for Alzheimer's, which of course was not helpful to her because she didn't have Alzheimer's. She had ADHD.
0: Now with ADHD, are there medications that one should be taking or could be taking, let's say, in, in, uh, uh, in tandem with, with psychotherapy, for instance?
1: Absolutely, and what, what's important for your listeners to understand is exactly the same medications that help kids and teens and younger adults also help older adults and are safe to be taken unless you have significant cardiac problems. So, of course, you need to have an okay from your primary care physician. Some of our psychiatrists want older adults to have an EKG before they start stimulants. But I will tell you that of the 150 older adults I interviewed in doing research for this book, almost all of them took stimulants, almost all of them said that it was enormously helpful to them to take them.
0: Well, Kathleen, when you were interviewing, you said 150 adults, were there any Noticeable differences between say the challenges that men face as opposed to women are there, is there are there any differences in their behavior or even in the reaction to the medications and the counseling
1: Well, those are great questions there's no difference in response to medication, but there certainly are different challenges. Um, women are more likely to have coexisting anxiety disorders along with their ADHD. Women are much more likely to talk about feeling very distressed about their social isolation. I ran a support group for older adults with ADHD at the beginning of the pandemic, and that group lasted for well over a year. And We invited all comers. It wasn't meant to be a women's group, but it turned out to be a women's group. We had one or two men that came and joined for a session or two, said very little, and didn't come back, whereas the women said, this is the best thing that's happened to me in years. Uh, This is the first time I've ever felt accepted and understood and supported by other women. It, It really became the highlight of their week, and I'll tell you that group is still meeting without me as a facilitator because that, that social connection and social acceptance means so much to them. So I think that's an important male-female difference, the anxiety and the real distress over the social isolation that men may be much less distressed about.
0: Or perhaps maybe another piece of that is because I think that's true in other areas as well, other psychiatric diagnoses that men they somehow see that sometimes more as a stigma when you get into quote counseling or therapy, which women don't perceive it. Are they as much as men. That may be also something that has to do with like you said, two of the men they dropped out, and the rest of the group were women, and they continue. That's right,
1: yes, so we we see that difference uh, in all areas of psychotherapy, not not just related to ADHD. The other thing, the other difference that I noted is that more men reported feeling impatient and irritable compared to women. Those were not the descriptions that women typically um, use to describe themselves. they were more. Anxious, lonely, overwhelmed, whereas the men were
0: impatient
1: and irritable, and therefore difficult to be around.
0: Oh, that's an interesting, I mean, I've never actually heard that, and I think find impatient and irritable. Where do you think that comes from, those differences?
1: Well, again, I, I think that it may be a gender-related um, of emotional expression patterns, in that I think men don't like to describe themselves as anxious. And so sometimes anxiety is expressed in irritability. I mean, they may be anxious about running late for a doctor's appointment, but it comes out in irritability about the traffic or irritability toward their spouse. You know, we should have left earlier. What's the matter with you? Um, because I, I think a lot of men see. Anger is more masculine than saying, I'm anxious. Um, and and women are much more comfortable talking about their feelings of anxiety and overwhelm.
0: So there's that feeling of that men feeling more vulnerable. They don't want to feel vulnerable. So they express it, in, well, just as you described it, uh, in more masculine terms, irritability yes. as opposed to anxiety. Um, what would you say in terms of, because you mentioned before, that not only are uh, individuals misdiagnosed with ADHD, but you have a whole population of professionals who aren't even aware of the problem, and so where do we start just in terms of um, professionals, counselors, psychiatrists, you mentioned neurologists don't even diagnose it correctly, and you're one of the first. Well, your book is one of the first. Well, people have to read your book. But um, so, where do we start, sort of as a as a culture, or as a or as professionals, to to get the word out? Or medical school, I guess, is one way. I would assume.
1: Absolutely, uh, and training in medical schools is very slow to change. There's there's often a big big lag between the training that the students receive and the cutting-edge research. So I attend conferences. I've just been invited to talk at an international ADHD conference that's taking place in the Netherlands um, this coming spring, and I've been specifically invited because they want me to talk about my book on older adults with ADHD, that this is a clear area of lack of Awareness. So it starts at conferences. It starts by writing books that other professionals will um, read. And we are actually at my clinic starting um, an advanced ADHD training institute to try to fill that gap, to train already licensed practicing professionals, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, counselors, about all of the aspects of ADHD, including the fact that you don't get over it and that older adults need help too. And for older adults that may be wondering if they have ADHD, one of the things I always tell them is because it's so genetic, look to younger members of your family. If you have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, younger cousins that have been diagnosed with ADHD, then your issues with planning and organization and memory and time management, all of that stuff, uh, may very well be ADHD-related. If nobody in your family uh, and any generation uh, has been diagnosed with ADHD, then it may well not be ADHD in your
0: case. In that way, I'm thinking you know social media can be very be very helpful because you have the opportunity to connect to a lot of those relatives that perhaps you weren't able to before easily, and get that kind of information. That's a a positive connection. We we only have a couple minutes left, so talk to us about specifically where we can. I, I imagine we can get your book online. Bookstores everywhere. Um,
1: Absolutely. It's available on Amazon, and my website, I am the director of the Chesapeake ADHD Center, Chesapeake for the Chesapeake Bay, because we're in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., and our website is chesapeakeadd.com, and I welcome people to come there to read more about me, to read more about the book, and of course, it can be... um, purchased uh, at local booksellers or on Amazon.com, still distracted after all these years.
0: Help and support for older adults with ADHD. And we've been talking to the author, Kathleen Nadow, PhD. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Lots of really good information. Uh, very helpful. Thanks so much for inviting yeah. me. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Katherine Zox Show.